Welcome back to the second guest show. Mike to tell you along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Bear, live from the Silver Slipper Casino Beachside right here in Hancock County, Mississippi. Come on by and visit us. Uh, Bobby J and I will be here until 8 o'clock tonight. A little after 620, we'll uh, have on with us Jeff Palermo from the Louisiana Radio Network talking a little bit about LSU uh, football recruiting-wise, offensive coordinator position opening, Tommy Reese took the job. He's going to be the new tight ends coach now with the Cleveland Browns. And uh, I've always felt Joe Sloan would probably be the offensive coordinator at LSU. We'll see if if that comes to fruition. And then Thursday night, Bob, you talk about a major game. LSU, South Carolina, women's basketball. Yeah, isn't it? Uh, Mike, I thought college game, isn't that on like normally on a Saturday or on the weekend? Uh, they're only having that at LSU, uh, college game day against uh, South, South Carolina. South Carolina, game. man. Well, well the, the thing is, uh, obviously Coach Valky, uh would want to win uh, this game considering where South Carolina and the impact that would have. But uh, even if you play hard and a uh, hard-fought uh, win or loss, uh it's more what you could do in the postseason because South Carolina's not going anywhere. LSU's not going anywhere as far as um, who's in the hunt at the end. But as far as – They're uh, both going to be in the hunt yeah, at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why to catch, uh, to, to catch uh, the nation's attention, uh, yeah, the, the, this, this is um, about as good as it gets. Yeah, it's must-watch TV no, no, between the two of them. Yeah, because when you look at, um, you know, old school, you look at like UConn, Tennessee and all that. Uh, right now, it doesn't get any better than uh, than than uh, South Carolina and LSU. No women's and, basketball. And LSU's women's group is drawing record crowds wherever they go. You know, Kim compared it to we we almost like the Beatles of women's basketball. Everywhere we go, man, we hear it and the, everything is sold out. So great game, and so we'll talk to Jeff about that. Let's go to our Oakland Hard Jewelers talking text line. Let's go to Mike in Mid City. Mike, you in the huddle with Bobby and Mike. Hey, fellas, how y'all doing today? Hi, Mike. Hey, man, what a hell of a weekend, huh? It was a great weekend of football, yes. Yes, it was. Yes, it Yeah, hey, I, I had heard of comparisons uh, this morning, early, earlier today, about uh, – uh, with Buffalo and Kansas City, and it was comparing that to uh, the Saints in the 49ers when we used to go up against Bill Walsh and Joe Montana, and we had uh, uh, Bobby and our defense and uh, Jim Mora. And I just wanted to get your opinion on that. My thing is, that comparison. Mike, the comparison is Tom Brady and the Patriots going up against Peyton Manning and the Colts. That would be the comparison. I would have. When you look at how both these teams have structured, and at one time the Patriots owned the Colts, and then all of a sudden the tide sort of swung a little bit. But that would be my comparison to what you see with Josh Allen and the Bills and Mahomes in Kansas City. It's more like Brady Manning. Well, and uh, yeah, go ahead. What? Kevin and Jeff, well, which well, well, is it? Are they coming to get over the hump, or what, are they just not good enough? Uh, well, well, uh, well, well. If you look at the Bills, uh, you know it's kind of like uh, like we were with the Saints: woulda, coulda, shoulda. 
you know, you win 11 games, you win 12 games, you're outstanding. Uh, you win six or nine games in a row. Look how the Bills turn around their season. But unless you do it in the postseason, uh, then, uh, then, then you just go by the wayside. Yeah. And they, they, they forget you. So uh, right now, uh, the Bills are, I think, are a better version uh, than we were in the late 80s, early 90s to not win anything. That uh, so close, but so far. Now, and I uh, think San Francisco of that era had a more complete team than the, uh, what Kansas City does today. Yes, uh, the, the, a much the, more complete. And, team. and the thing is, uh, okay, Brock Purdy, he was up MVP, then had a, a slack uh, at the end of the season, as far as in that conversation. Well, you're going to tell me you're going to compare Brock Purdy to Joe Montana or Steve Young? No. And then people don't realize, you know, Jerry Rice or Roger Craig, whatever they did offensively, people don't realize the 49ers had a top three defense. Yes. Uh, you know, like, oh, well, you know, uh, what? No. Uh, listen, we had the Dome Patrol, but I'm going against a top three defense. And you look how the games and ebb and flow and uh, what occurred there. So it was just like, hey, listen, if we beat the 49ers, it'd be an upset. Because they had a top five offensive defense. We had a top five uh, defense. Uh, but we were kind of like, I don't know, 12, uh, middle of the pack kind of offense. So, so how are we going to beat the 49ers? No, that would truly have been an upset. So when you're trying to compare, uh, it, it's, it's all relative. And... Uh, Look, look. The, the bottom line is the Bills are so close, but so far, and that's why they could not look. It's, it's not just like when you think about it. It's not just Kansas City Chiefs. What happened when they played the Bengals? Uh, they, they, you know, they couldn't take advantage of that at home. So uh, no, uh, Josh Allen uh, might be unbelievable, uh, but uh, to me, maybe too much is on his plate. But look at Josh Allen. Uh, before they turned things around, uh, he made a lot of old school mistakes. Uh, they, they he's really a riverboat gambler type player at times. Well, the just, last couple of weeks, he's been good with the ball, not turning it over. But doesn't he remind you a little bit of Elway? I can make every throw out there, and then John would put up a couple of picks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but the, the, the one thing I can tell you that D Bali threw, uh, and you want to be the man, how about Stephon Diggs? How about you catch You got to catch that. I mean, come on. Then all of a sudden, that's a different game, you know? So, come on. Thanks so much for the call, Mike. We appreciate it. We'll be back with more second guests. And Jeff Palermo from the Louisiana Radio Network will join us talking LSU right after this break. Back here on the second guest show, Mike Detail along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Bear, live from the Silver Slipper Casino Beachside in Hancock County, Mississippi. We're going to go to our Oakland Hardula's talking text line. With Jeff Palermo from the Louisiana Radio Network. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Bobby and I were talking about it. Showdown uh, LSU, South Carolina. And we're talking about women's basketball. So that goes to show you what Kim Mulkey has done for this program. That that's going to be a headline event. Well, I mean, even look at Sunday's game against Arkansas. Four o'clock game, you know, going up against the NFL playoff games. And there's over 12,000 fans in that place. And it, and they were loud, and they were in the game right away. Of course, it, it helped when LSU jumped out to an 18 to nothing lead. 
But uh, Thursday night will be crazy. It is, it is not a stretch to say that it is the most anticipated women's basketball game in regular season history for LSU. I mean, obviously, we all anticipated once they got to the Final Four in the national championship game. And, you know, Simone Augustus and Sylvia Fowles, they played in some big games, too, during their time. But here you, are, here you have LSU as a defending national champion taking on the number one team in the country in South Carolina, uh, a, a matchup that we thought we were going to see a rematch of last year when South Carolina beat LSU in February. They didn't play in the SEC tournament. Uh, they came close to facing each other in the national championship game. Of course, Iowa knocked up South Carolina in the semi, so it never happened. So uh, th- this is um, – yeah, this is going to be awesome uh, on Thursday night. And uh, South Carolina is a much different team than they were last year. Uh, a lot of different players. Uh, four of their top five scores are not back from a year ago. So it's not exactly the same team as last year. But South Carolina right now, even though LSU is the national champs, I mean, South Carolina is the, is the top program in women's basketball at the moment. Now, uh, Jeff, uh, when you look at it uh, really at the PMAC and you have events there, and uh, I don't know if you're going to look to the crystal ball like uh, 10 years ago going forward. And you, uh, you talk about uh, the crowd they had for, uh, for women's basketball. But also now uh, you have it also for women's gymnastics and how popular that is. Yeah. And that uh, making the Final Four last year. So it seems like that um, you look at the PMAC and how the fans have supported whether it's women's gymnastics or women's basketball. No, and that's another. That's a good point, Bobby. I mean, gymnastics had a meet on. It was Friday night, actually. Yeah, Friday night, and that that place was that place was jam packed as well. Um, I've always said that, you know, as far as a as far as entertainment value, as far as an LSU athletic event, as far, when it comes to the cost and what you're getting entertainment wise, uh, a gymnastics meet is you, you can't beat it. It's it's the best bang for your buck when it comes to going to actually watch an LSU event because it's nonstop action, there's music, there's all it, it, it the whole family can get into it. Um, and so what gymnastics has done towards the tail end of DD bro's time as the coach, it, it really started to take off. And you know, now LSU is getting some of the you know, top gymnasts in the countries. I mean, in the country and you have borderline Olympic athletes, um, competing on, on the LSU uh, program. And uh, it, it's been impressive. And, uh, I mean, it's kind of Johnson. What she is doing one year removed from an Achilles injury is, is, is very impressive. I mean, we were all wondering about Aaron Rodgers and whether he'd be able to come back from an Achilles uh, last, you know, during the football season last year. But uh, what Kaya Johnson is doing is pretty remarkable to one year off a, an Achilles injury and, and you're scoring tens on events. That's, that's pretty impressive. Jeff, uh, one of the things, uh, Tommy Reese today looks as though he has come to an agreement to become the uh, tight ends coach with the Cleveland Browns. That was a lot of rumors. And I don't know, you know, how true all that was about him, just because of prior connections with Brian Kelly. I would think fairly soon uh, you're going to hear an announcement from Brian about the offensive coordinator job. And it may be sort of a split title deal, but – uh, right now, I would think Joe Sloan is in the driver's seat for this. 
Yeah, I can't imagine they they're moving in any other direction, and and they really don't have many. They don't have since they got five defensive coaches, and you can only have ten as far as on field coaches, and then you got of course the special teams coach, which is part of that ten. So you, you've already used five spots on defense, um, and granted, you can split up special teams. I get it, but okay, you got five on defense. You got to have a wide receivers coach. That's six. You're gonna have an offensive line coach. That's seven. You're going to have a running backs coach that's eight. You're probably going to have a tight ends coach that's nine. Uh, quarterbacks coach slash, well, it, I mean, by the process of elimination, it, 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 you're obviously keeping Joe Sloan. So he, he's got a – there's just not a lot of spots. There's just not a spot there to bring in another offensive coordinator and keep, and keep Joe Sloan just that quarterbacks coach. So – they obviously got to bring in a tight ends coach because Mike Denbrock was coaching tight ends, so you'll probably have a tight ends coach. Um, and then, and I would think Joe Sloan is going to be your offensive coordinator. It, I think what is what has happened here is you know, the defense was such a mess, and that was something that they had to address right away. And I think that's where Brian Kelly's focus has been here the last two weeks. Now that you have that taken care of, uh, and, and I'm sure he had a conversation with Tommy Reese to see where he was at, and I I can't imagine that they didn't. Uh, but now that that is, you know, officially that can't happen with him going to the Cleveland Browns, uh, I, I think it's just a matter of time where uh, Joe Sloan is named your offensive coordinator and they, and they go from there. Now, uh, uh, Jeff, uh, you know, obviously the, the – the LSU fan base. Uh, what about our defense? And you mentioned that. And uh, it seems like uh, that we definitely must. Uh, who you familiar with? And you definitely like uh, what the Missouri Tigers were able to do as you hired their uh, defensive coordinator, Blake Baker. And I'm looking at uh, Baker inherited a defense at Mizzou. They were 113 in the nation uh, in scoring, giving up basically 34 points a game in 2021. And then you look each of the next two years, uh, they were able to rank, what, 56 in scoring defense in his first season. Then this fall, they only gave up uh, right under 21 points per game, which was 25th nationally and fourth in the SEC. And then you look at this season, recorded 39 sacks, 88 tackles for a loss, tied for third in the SEC, and top 20 nationally in both categories. So it it stands to reason who you trust and who you want that we've kind of uh, pilfered uh, M- Missouri staff with not only Blake Baker, but getting a couple of other guys. Well, I, I think uh, I think all the hires, at least on paper, they, they certainly look outstanding. And, and I know it's easy to say that. There's not too many times where you sit there and say, well, that's a bad hire. But you can't argue with uh, the fact that Blake Baker turned around a program or turned around a defense at Missouri that was just absolutely scuffling and has made it one of the best in the Southeastern Conference. You get someone in Kevin Peoples who's shown the ability to develop edge rushers. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing that we're looking at here is, um, and granted, I don't think there's as much talent on these NFL, on this LSU defense as we've seen in previous LSU defenses where you would see guys year after year, a defensive player gets selected in the first, second round, or whatever it may be. But there was just no development from the players on defense this season. And I think what you have here are that they brought in are guys that are going to develop players. They 
all of them have a track record on that. We all know about Corey Raymond. Uh, Kevin Peoples has done that. Bo Davis, the interior defensive line coach, he has been able to develop guys into uh, Big 12 Player of the Year, Outland Trophy winners. I mean, all these guys have a track record of taking talent and uh, making it even better. And I think that's one of the things that was lacking with that 2023 defense. And all you have to do is look at the bowl game from when you watch them perform against Wisconsin and you you came away from that game saying, how was that even any better than what you saw in the season opener against Florida State? That can't happen. And I I think that really – you know, Jeff, really uh, I mean, uh, Brian Kelly's uh, decision to go ahead and fire Matt Howell. Yeah, uh, Jeff, I was looking at like we allowed 506 yards against a mediocre Wisconsin offense. I was like, yeah. uh, no, no, they have to have uh, changes, right? I mean, they, right. I think uh, all the fans, even the common fan who casually maybe follows this, uh, Wisconsin was not very good offensively, but they looked good against us. And you had a month to prepare yeah. for them. I mean, come on. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, I, I thought it was eye popping how bad it was. Cause I, I, I don't know. I guess I was fooled into thinking that they could at least, you know, hold Wisconsin to three touchdowns or less, but that goes 14 to nothing before you were able to really get comfortable and watch that game. Jeff, uh, I was getting gas from my truck the other day. Guy walks up to me. He's like, Mike, I can't wait for LSU baseball. I know it's going to be a real short period of time and LSU baseball will be cranked up. It'll look different this year uh, because, okay, to replace, you know, Cruz and Skeens, man, uh, that's difficult. But Jay has done such a fantastic job recruiting. And while it will look different, I think that their team, no matter what magazine you get or what you're looking at rankings, they're in the top five on everybody's top five. Your thoughts on LSU baseball as we're just a couple weeks away from it. And, and, uh, Jeff, like Mike was saying, it seems like if you look at, like, I don't know, uh, coaches poll or whatever, any uh, baseball America. Baseball digest, Uh, D1 baseball. That doesn't it seem like every year, Jeff, that, okay, you have three of the top five from the SEC and six out of the top ten from the SEC. <laughs> yeah, you see Arkansas, Florida, no, no, and it, it, with LSU. It, it seems like it's like that every year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, you know, and Vanderbilt's always hovering around there as well. I mean, Wake Forest is kind of the new kid on the block. I mean, I see a lot of them have Wake Forest as the preseason number one. But, yeah, it will be different because uh, no Dylan Cruz, no Paul Skeens. I mean, those are two superstar players. You'll never see that again. We're – one two in the major league baseball draft but the depth that they have pitching wise i think it's very impressive because we you go back to the 2023 season we're, we're scratching our head in you know late april early may and wondering how the heck is jay johnson gonna you know how's he gonna construct a pitching staff because all he has is paul Skeens, and every now and then a couple other guys show up and that's all he has but he's got a lot more at his disposal this year um, I kind of wonder if this team, you know, last year was it, it was such a team that you could you could play for the big inning because he had so many more home run hitters. Um, I, I kind of wonder if maybe you see a little bit more stealing out of this team, a little bit more uh, where, where they're, they'll try to be a little bit more aggressive on the base pass. I, I mean, I think that's one of the great things about Jay Johnson. I think he could be based on his personnel. He can he can do it a little bit differently. 
but the expectation is is that this is going to be another Omaha team. Uh, I, I think going into last year, you, you sat there and say, man, if Paul Skeens, if this guy's legit, and you, you got a pretty quick idea that this guy was legit, legit early on in the season, and you knew how good Dylan Cruz was, and, and Tommy White was the real deal, you got a sense pretty early on in that season that, hey, this is, this is not just an Omaha team. This is a national championship team. Um, so I don't know when we'll get that feeling, if we'll ever get that feeling and this is with this 2024 squad. But, man, they're going to be very good. Uh, and Jay Johnson's got it rocking and rolling. He, he has figured it out. Um, and, and it's a place to go. I mean, for a while there, it, LSU kind of lost its luster when it comes to getting some of the best players. But he's figured out the transfer portal so well. He's been able to retain guys. You're not losing as many guys to the Major League Baseball draft. Uh, and NIL helps in all that, but um, he, he's really figured it out. And, and he's just a no-nonsense guy. And he's, he's, there's, a, there's a bit of Nick Saban in him, man. It's, it's all about the process. They won the national championship. I actually talked to Hayden Travinsky today. And just listening to him talk, it's like, I don't really want to talk about 2023 anymore. That's, that's old news. It's all about 2024. Right now they're in their individual workouts, getting better today. Once the team workouts start, I think uh, at the end of this week, uh, you know, th- then it's just it's just one day at a time, and it's all about the process. So it's, um, I think LSU baseball could be could be a juggernaut program here over the next you know five or ten years with Jay Johnson at the helm. You know what, uh, Jeff? Before uh, the, you know uh, you brought his name up, but Nick Saban, I haven't talked to you uh, because that's monumental. Uh, what is your take? Because I, I, I respect your opinion on Nick Saban. There's no way Alabama could be as good as they've been under Nick Saban. Well, what's your take on that? Well, they have to come back to the pack. I mean, you just can't. What, what did Saban win? Nine conference championships in 17 years. Um, you know, seven national titles. I don't think that could be duplicated. Uh, in particular, I think in this NIL transfer. Well, in particular in this transfer portal world, because Nick Saban was able to recruit these five-star prospects. And when he got a five-star prospect, well, he just sat there for a couple of years until the other five-star prospect in front of him moved on. And it was just like, a, I mean, it was like an assembly machine, right? I mean, it was just one guy coming through. And now, as we saw with Lance Hurd at LSU, if the five-star prospect doesn't get on the field, well, he's going to go somewhere else. Uh, so I don't think you can, it's just so hard to duplicate that uh, so Alabama comes to the pack a little bit. Uh, LSU can come up more to the top once you know, Brian Kelly figures out things defensively and, and gets even more personnel there. And um, I think it's, it, it makes for a little more wide-open SEC. I, the thing that I've been kind of thinking about, okay, uh, it, it's, at this point, you look at it, Kirby Smart is, is, is the best coach in college football, but who's number two? I mean, it's – it's kind of hard to figure that out at this point um, just because it, it's, it's open now. And um, I think everyone has a chance. And I don't, you know, when Brian Kelly signed that 10 year deal, I don't think he thought in two years, you'd only have to deal with Nick Saban in two years. So he's probably sitting there saying, okay, this is the time where I got to hit, you know, the, the, the iron is hot. I guess you could say, this is where I need to strike. And that's why I think it was pretty decisive as far as what he wanted to do on that defensive coaching staff, this is the time where it's it's time to take this program, that a 10-win program, 
it's got to get accelerated another level or two where LSU is certainly competing for uh, national championships, especially now that um, a big nemesis uh, has been weakened because uh, they no longer have Nick Saban as their head coach. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. All i got to tell you is number two coach in college football, I don't know if he stays there, but if he decides to stay at Michigan, Jim Harbaugh is going to be in that pack each and every well, year. Uh, but I, I but that's, it's, a, it's I, iffy if he stays now. That's yeah, it, real it's iffy. a foregone conclusion. He's going to the NFL. Yeah, I think he yeah. is too. All right, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it, buddy. All right, guys. All right, Jeff Palermo from Louisiana Radio Network. We'll be back with more Second Guess right after this break here on the Big 870. Back here on the Second Guess show, Mike Detail, along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Avair. Went a little bit long with Jeff Palermo, but he's always uh, got great information for us. Gotten word from Tennessee. Looks as though the Tennessee Titans are going to hire Brian Callahan as their new head coach. He was the offensive coordinator with the Cincinnati Bengals, 39 years old. He was actually on that staff when the Broncos uh, won the Super Bowl. Peyton Manning and sort of his hurrah uh, ended up winning it. He's, he's coached with the Lions, uh, also with the Raiders, but uh, he's been the uh, offensive coordinator of the Bengals since 2019. Uh, it was his second interview over the weekend, so it looks as though Brian Callahan, uh, the offensive coordinator with the Cincinnati Bengals. So, Mike, the Saints were interested in him, right? Uh, uh, was, was name? Brian, you know, Brian was looking to be a head coach. He, he really was. It was it was something that he wasn't going to leave Cincinnati and Joe yeah, Burrow, right, right, right. Joe Burrow. Uh, to go anywhere else. And uh, he's, I know Joe has talked a lot about how much that Brian has meant in his development at the quarterback position. So looks as though all indications are Brian Callahan, 39 years old, will be the new head coach of the Tennessee Titans. So, so we'll, Mike, are they going with Will Lutz? I mean, uh, that well, they're going to go with Will Levis. Yeah, Will, not Will Lutz. Will Lutz. Will Levis, are they going to develop that, him? That, that's going to be it, and that's why they're bringing in Brian. Gotcha. Uh, to be a big part of that. We'll be back with more second guests right after this break here on the Big 870. We're finishing up here in our number three of second guests. Mike Detail, along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Bear. Uh, again, repeating, uh, Brian Callahan looks to be, he is the guy, the new head coach of the Tennessee Titans, formerly the offensive coordinator with the Cincinnati Bengals. His dad, Bill, was a former head coach at University of Nebraska and uh, former head coach at the Oakland Raiders, too. Let's go to our Oakland Heart Jewelers talking text line. Let's go to Jimmy in the huddle with Bobby and Mike. Hey, what's up, y'all? Jimmy. Hey, what's up, man? Look, I'm drinking, I'm drinking a beer on a Monday night. Sitting here, I know y'all are at the casino eating them Alaskan snow crab legs. Tell the boss man to put WWE Raw on because it's in New Orleans now at the arena. Yeah. And, and don't forget, and Mike, don't forget to put one of the screens on. Tell the boss to grab the remote, put the screen on the ESPNU because Will Wade is on ESPNU right now, McNeese State. They're, they're knocking on the door at top 25. And in year one, he's totally turned that program around. I got to give that guy a lot of credit. They're on ESPNU right now. But you guys were talking earlier about the missteps and the misses and the almost with the Patrick Mahomes and uh, Lamar Jackson. We went with Davenport. But, and, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. We all know that things would have, could have, should have. Jim Morris said it. Luckily, luckily, Nick Saban, 
the Croatian American went with Dante Culpepper instead of Drew Brees. So at least at least we can hang our hat on that major mistake. Because if it would have gone the other way, God knows we'd probably still be waiting for a Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? But the, hey, Bobby, the other thing too with yeah, that yeah, is, doubt. had he had Drew Brees, he'd have never left the Dolphins. Yeah, and he doesn't yeah. go to Alabama. And what would have happened would have to the to Alabama LSU. program, who were <laughs> that, on the verge of that, hiring Rich Rodriguez as their coach? That, that empire's over because Nick Saban just left at a really bad time, and now they're going to be getting a lot of three stars and even maybe some two stars coming to Alabama just to fill the roster going into this late in the offseason process. It's gonna, they're gonna, there's going to be a major drop in talent at Alabama with Nick Saban's departure. But, hey, congratulations, Bobby. Northwestern State basketball whooped my UNO privateers Saturday. They whooped them, took them to the woodshed. And uh, I I know you weren't able to make it. I know you're busy. So maybe after Mardi Gras you can come out to some UNO games and we could all go hang out. But, yeah, you got your alma mater whooped us. And McNeese State and Will Wade's uh, doing their thing right now on national TV tonight. I got to give well, that dude credit. He, he's no, a great Will, recruiter. Will predicted it before he coached one game. He came on with us on WWL, and he said, Mike, I guarantee you, we're going to win the Southland Conference. Well, and, 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 and two. Uh, he uh, ain't short of, uh, of and, being uh, braggadocious. You know, and, 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 two, and two monumental wins. Uh, when Nichols State went to LSU, yep. they beat LSU. And then I thought this was a misprint. I probably said this a couple of times in the radio. Uh, that when McNeese went up to Michigan, University of Michigan, remember the Fab Five and all that, and uh, the history they have there? And I want to say they beat them by like 10 or 11 points. So McNeese even got, uh, Jimmy, I want to say the Associated Press, whatever, they got one vote to be in the top 25. So I can see Will Wade, obviously, will be here uh, this season. That'd be uh, one one team you got to be ready to play. And then uh, the following year, I, I, I don't know, but I, I see him long-term not being at McNeese and having another opportunity. No, cause, no, he's gonna, he's that's going to be a short stay. Then he's, right. he's going to coach with the big boys. Another thing, too, with Callahan leaving to be the head coach of the Tennessee Titans is the Saints were interested in Dan Pitcher, uh, who was the quarterback's coach. Man, you know, that would seem to be a situation where – Pitcher may become the new offensive coordinator with the Bengals now that Callahan has uh, left to take over the Tennessee Titans. And he was one of the names, uh, Dan's name was brought up early in the process. And, and Mike, the one coach that, uh, that I liked, and uh, I'd said, uh, I like him, uh, but he ain't, he's not no longer an option. Uh, Shane Waldron, the Seahawks offensive coordinator, I heard he's going to the Bears. Yeah, I'm going to go coach Caleb Williams. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that, uh, or, he, or even their top draft pick, depending what they do with Caleb Williams. Right? Yeah, I no, think No, 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 no Caleb pick. Williams or Justin Fields. Yeah, I, I think that they've made up their mind. Financially, it makes all the sense in the world to pick the rookie and then try to trade right. off Justin Fields because you'd have to pay him a huge contract. Restart the money clock. So, Mike, uh, that's why I think uh, Shane Waldron, he looked at everything, and he goes, so I, I'm going I, there. I, I kind of like the bear situation. <laughs> and you got D.J. Moore and Cole Komet. Yeah. Uh, two pretty good targets there for the Bears. Thanks for the call, Jimmy. We'll be back with more second guess right after this news break on the Big 870.